Hello, everyone. Are you ready to talk about two of my favorite topics? Oh my Motherhood gosh, and shoes. <laughs> it's the episode you've been waiting for, America. How are you, you doing, Jules? Steph? Steph, okay, I'm good. But here's the question. If you had to put those two subjects in order, motherhood and shoes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to refrain from answering the question, but I'm simply going to say this, Marion Park, we are so excited to have you today. Thank you. This is so, so exciting. Thank you for inviting me to join. We, um, for those of you who know me, you know, um, I have a thing about shoes. Um, I love them a lot. They bring me abundant joy. And so I'm very excited to have today on our podcast um, to tell her reinvention story, Marion Park of marionpark.com. Marion is a podiatric surgeon and luxury footwear designer. Um, the latter of which I think I've always <laughs> wanted to be, except I didn't necessarily have the skills at all with which to do it. So, um, for those of you who may not be familiar with Marion's shoes, um, they are these amazingly beautiful, wonderful shoes that you actually want to wear, um, that you can actually take from off of, out of your shoe area and put on your feet and feel fabulous and fashion forward, but also you're, they're not binding and restrictive. And um, so we're excited to have you here, Marion, with Julie and I to tell your story. So welcome. Yeah, thanks again. Um, I, I, I can't wait to talk more about them. I, I too love talking about shoes. Um, I talk about being a mom a lot also <laughs> these days. Um, it's taken on a new meaning um, in, you know, in this year and in 2020 and 2021. So um, yeah, let's go. We'll, we'll let's dive go. in. So so Marion, so so let's just let's rewind. Um, we'll get into those into those children <laughs> in a bit. But tell us about your sort of reinvention, um, going from from a foot surgeon to shoe designer, uh, and what and what that process was like for you. Yeah, well, for me, there there was very much an overlap um, with motherhood and my decision to um, to pursue this idea. So, um, I should rewind though and say that this idea came to me more than ten years, of, or maybe maybe just about ten years before uh, I actually uh, was able to act on it. So, I was sitting in my biomechanics class, and this was in like two thousand six. And I was learning how to treat and manage patients with uh, naturally high arches. I don't know if either of you have naturally high arch, um, but, and I, you know, I'll, I'll bore everyone to tears with all the <laughs> medical talk. We, um, everyone will get sort of a little curbside uh, foot consultation with your podcast today. <laughs> Great. Um, so I'll, I'm hearing all these things. And I think, gosh, this is all these problems sound just like the problems that women have when they wear high heels. So when you're wearing a high heel, your calf muscle, um, you know, tightens, right. Um, 
you're, um, and, and just because of the insertion of the Achilles tendon, what happens when you raise up everybody, when everybody raises up onto their toes, everyone's feet naturally move in this direction. It's called supination. Um, but that again, makes you sort of walk on that lateral side or the outside of your foot, just like a person with naturally high arches. When you, so supination is they roll their feet out, right? Out, yeah. Like, a lot of people, you've heard of like pronation. Everyone talks about pronation when you go to like buy sneakers, like every sneaker salesperson's talking about pronation. Um, supination is uh, like the opposite of um, yeah. pronation. Yeah. And there are natural motions and biomechanics that um, they're part of the gait cycle, uh, but you can over pronate or over supinate. You know, you've probably heard those, again, those terms yes. um, when you yes. go to buy shoes, but but yeah, so um, all, all of those problems are, you know, sort of in my mind, like, gosh, this sounds exactly like, like why women don't want to wear high heels. And I thought, well, we're sitting here learning how to make orthotics. You know, if, I don't know if either of you have either of you ever worn orthotics or inserts <laughs> in your shoes. Um, so basically, you know, it's, it's a, it's an insert that goes into your shoe. And um, some of the things that we can do as podiatrists to help people with naturally high arches is, um, you know, it's like adding more material to discourage that tendency to roll your ankle. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, using certain uh, materials for shock absorption. Um, it's trying to increase the surface area contact that you have so you're not just focusing all the weight on those three areas, right? Uh, so I thought, why don't we do that in a woman's high heel? You know, it doesn't have to be really thick and heavy. It can still be very low profile, thin device. Um, and let's permanently apply it to the shoe. Cause I know we've all been there. We've tried to stick pads in the shoe, especially sandals. They never stay in place. They poke out, they look terrible. Um, and shoes are one of the things I learned along the way. Shoes are meant to be a very specific volume, very specific size. And it, we've all been there too, where you try to squeeze one of those inserts into a shoe. The shoe gets really tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's, just not possible for women to do in, in sandals. So I started thinking, well, let's, let's do this and let's permanently apply it to the shoe and let's cover it in all the same beautiful materials as the upper. It doesn't need to be brown with, you know, perforated holes in it. And it doesn't need to be a neon orange, you know, just screaming that you're wearing an arch support. It can be very tastefully done. So um, I should also add that I, I grew up in uh, a household that was very artistic. My mother is an artist. Uh, my grandmother, um, her mother was always very creative. She, my grandmother owned a, a flower shop and she loved to sew. So she would make my sister and I these you know, really beautiful, you know, holiday dresses that matched. And um, so, you know, and, and my mother always had my sister and I in art classes like all year long. And we would go whenever she, when she did show in galleries, we would go with her. And so I always grew up with that creative side. And I also think that, you know, to be able to be a surgeon, you have to have that, that creative mind, the, the, you know, the manual dexterity, obviously. So I sort of had, you know, those two skill sets between knowing the anatomy and the biomechanics of the foot and ankle, but then also having you know, a certain design eye. Um, and as I, you know, I, I went you know, through, um, through school, I went to, you know, finish my surgical residency and started practicing. And I, I found that I loved talking to patients about shoes. I think a lot of podiatrists, when a, a patient walks into their office with a bag of shoes, their, their eyes, you know, get 
this big because they're like, Oh God, I'm going to be in that room for an hour <laughs> talking about shoes. But I love, I love it. Um, because I, it's really, um, finding shoes are, it, it's sp specific to every person, you know, again, talking about foot type, depending on your foot type, you need to find a certain, um, shoe, um, and, and maybe certain materials, um, certain characteristics of the shoe that are, that are best for you. So, um, as I was doing that, you know, talking to women about, okay, you have a naturally high arch, you have this problem. Here's what you should be looking for when you go shopping for shoes. And by the way, here's what everybody should be looking for when they go shopping for shoes, whether it's a sneaker or a dress shoe, a man, a woman, an adult or a child. And as I would have that conversation, women particularly would say, you know, Dr. Park, you should, you should go on the news and tell people how to shop for shoes. And, and then that sort of evolved into, why don't you make shoes? And, uh, and I started thinking, you know, maybe I should. And, um, of course, you know, not knowing anything about the footwear industry other than just being a, an enthusiastic uh, supporter of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I started, you know, reading as much as I could about, you know, you know, what, what would that really entail? So, um, that was a long way, long monologue <laughs> your question about how, how it got started. Um, but it's clear you love what you do, right? So that is, and I think it is important for our listeners in particular and I appreciate you backing us all the way back, Marion, because these things don't, you don't on a Monday say, maybe I'll do shoes and Tuesday <laughs> shoes appear, right? Like that's not, oh, but not that, I think that's how people, that's certainly, that's how I perceived it sitting on the outside is you look at people and it feels like it just happened right away. And so I appreciate you saying there's, there's time. Yeah. So well, was, how did you go? So you have this idea. Yeah. I'm curious when you, when you look back first thing, so you're reading, you're researching, what was the first action that you took Marion that was okay. I'm, I'm in this. So, you know, beyond the reading and the learning, then what mm -hmm. happened? Right. So yeah, I, I did a ton of reading and research and, um, I, I guess the first sort of, um, action I took was I, I found out where the, um, the footwear like trade shows were happening when and where, and there was one happening in Las Vegas. Um, and I don't remember the time of year. It was probably August. Um, and I thought, okay, let's like go see what this is all about. So I, I reached out to the organizers of the trade show and I said, I'm, you know, I'm not a brand, I'm not a buyer, but I, I'm interested in starting a footwear collection and would it, may I please attend? And they said, absolutely. This, this would be a great learning experience. We also have several seminars that are going on, um, that week and that weekend that would be really helpful for you to go to. And, and they were right. So I was able to walk around. It was, you know, the big, um, you know, the, like the Las Vegas convention center, you know, booths set up everywhere. It's everything you're picturing, right? It's, you know, everything you're picturing. And I walked around from booth pre -COVID. to booth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> pre COVID, pre COVID. Pre -COVID. <laughs> um, 
And then I, you know, I went and I listened to some of the speakers and the speakers, you know, some of them were talking about, um, you know, what importing and the costs of um, importing shoes and, you know, customs fees. And, you know, some of them were talking about um, sourcing. And that didn't even, that was not even a word I knew, but you know, how you, how you, you know, sourced all your materials. And, um, and then interestingly, one of the speakers was, um, David Miller, who, um, the, the Miller family, Minnetonka Moccasin. Um, yes. <laughs> so this was in 2015. Um, maybe 14 even. And I, I listened to him. He was, he was a speaker on a panel and they were talking, it was, you know, what, what keeps, you know, footwear, um, CEOs up at night, you know, what, what are your concerns? You know, what are your, what, you know, what are your worries? And, um, anyway, I, I remember him, uh, being a really, um, thoughtful speaker and then heard, Oh, he's also there. That company is also based in Minneapolis and, um, didn't think much of it. Fast forward uh, three years later, and I um, I meet uh, David Miller's daughter, who is a friend of, of of a friend, and we start talking, and I'm talking about my company, and I I said, um, you know, we're both footwear companies in Minneapolis, and you know, we're trying to grow the business. Um, you know, do you, do you all ever invest in footwear brands? And and uh, and Jory is her name. Um, Jory said, you know. Um, let's, let's talk about it. And so anyway, long story short, the Millers were the first, um, investors outside of, um, my husband and our family. Um, and they came into the brand and brought, you know, a huge amount, obviously of very specific, um, you know, footwear industry knowledge and experience. And that has been huge for us. So, so um, so going to that, um, that first trade show and, and we realized that, you know, our, our price point and our quality level really isn't right for, um, trade shows at, you know, our price point and, you know, made in Italy brands, they didn't have their own showrooms and it's sort of a different, it's a different sort of model for meeting with buyers. Um, but I, I learned so much, you know, on the back end of the business, everything I said from customs to, uh, you know, sourcing, um, and then also, you know, made this, um, at the time, you know, dis distant, but now a very close um, connection to our first investors. So, um, so for me, that was one of those sort of like take, take the flight moment, right? You know, you, you're nervous about taking that first step and going, go, you, you, need, you need to go and take that first step because you just don't know what it's going to lead to. And someone also once said to me, always take the meeting, you know, and that has been really helpful to me too, because you just never know I mean, Stephanie, that's how you and I met, right? Oh, we had a coffee oh, meeting yep. and we didn't know what was going to come out of it. And, you know, and here we are. So um, I think that's a really important um, thing to hear when, if anyone's thinking about reinvention, starting something new, um, you have to take that first step and then say yes to the meeting, take the meetings. I love that. So Mary, were, so you were, you were working though as a practicing physician as you were Okay. Moving yes. So I had, and this is actually where the overlap is with my, my first, um, baby. So my husband and I had just moved to Minneapolis in August of 2013. It's 
So yeah, I guess that must've been 2014. The years kind of blur together, especially after COVID. Um, So in 2013, we moved to Minneapolis. Um, It was my husband's job that that brought us to Minneapolis. Um, My son was only a month old. And um, I had, um, I was, right when we moved here, I was just starting to interview for um, for a, a position, a, a foot and ankle surgeon position in the Twin Cities. And um, I, I was working part-time um, to start and then um, ended up working in two practices and driving kind of all around Woodbury to Chanhassen, Edina, and um, <laughs> little nuts. And then, um, and then started um, all that research in yeah, like early 2014 and registered my LLC uh, that May in 2014. And, um, and yeah, it must've been, it must've been August of 2014 that I, that I went to that first trade show and was just reading as much as I could. So I, I, yeah, there was a time for about a year and a half that I was seeing patients operating and then starting the business. And that meant flying to Italy, flying to New York, um, you know, getting my really amazing and supportive, um, colleagues to, you know, cover my patients when I was traveling, um, my amazing and supportive husband to take care of the baby while I, you know, flew to New York for three or four days. So it was tough, but I, I eventually got to a point where I realized that, um, the footwear industry does require a lot of travel and, um, and, and neither job really is a, is a part-time job. So I had to choose. So when you, I, I still keep up my license. You still keep up your license. Okay. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you knew that it was this new kind of chapter was going to require a lot from you, it was going to require a lot of travel. A lot of, what can you describe like what was going on internally? Like, was there just like this fire? Like, okay, this is, this is my path. This is my calling. I have to do this. Um, like what did, what did that feel like? And was there ever like that? We talk sometimes about the imposter syndrome, like, okay, you know, not necessarily who am I to do it, but like, was there, was it just like, okay, straight shot. I know I'm doing this. I'm going for it. I'm or was there kind of like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm afraid I'm, you know, like, what was that like for you? Yeah, no, I think all of those emotions were there. I think you know, you, you have this drive and this passion, like, yes, this is what I definitely need to do. But then you have these moments like, Oh gosh, this is a a big risk. And it would, it was a huge um, personal and professional risk, even to start the the company while, you know, um, the idea of trying to do both um, to, you know, was that going to, um, you know, undermine my professionalism, um, to be, you know, in the fashion world at the same time, um, you know, did people, were people not going to take me as seriously? Um, uh, because I, I think some people, um, don't perhaps take the fashion industry as seriously. They don't see it as the art form that, um, that a lot of us do. So, um, and then, you know, my, my husband and I had invested, um, you know, financially invested personally, um, a substantial amount of money in the business and so, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a personal and professional risk to do it. So there was, you know, hesitation, of course, and, you know, 
concerns about, you know, if you're making the right choice, we had a newborn baby. Um, We just got out of residency. You know, there were all these, you know, personal um, factors that were, it was a huge risk to, to pursue it. But I was thinking about it every day. I mean, you have to think I was seeing, you know, all these patients, again, whether it's a female patient or male patient, you know, adult or child, I was always talking about shoes. And I mean, I, and I felt the excitement, you know, that, that, that fire, um, you know, about, you know, how, how we can do it differently. And I try to, I try to avoid the word better because I do, again, you know, fashion, I do respect it as the art that it is. And, you know, a shoe that speaks to you from a purely aesthetic point of view um, has a function to it, right? So, and for some people, whether or not they can walk in it or, you know, focus while they have it on is, it's not as important. So, um, so we're, we're doing it differently. We're, you know, we're making that the shoe for the woman who says, I want both. I want the shoe to be really beautiful. I want it to make me feel great inside and out. And, you know, why can't I have both? Because I think prior to this idea, you had to choose. Women had to choose between that sensible shoe that, yeah, your foot felt really good, but gosh, you felt, you didn't feel very pretty. You didn't feel glamorous. You didn't feel like you were doing something cool from a fashion standpoint or, um, it wasn't exciting. Um, or on the other hand, you felt you were excited because you had this really cool shoe on. It was from a brand you really respect, but you, you were hardly able to focus on the, the conversation you were having because your heel was throbbing or your toe was throbbing. You, you know, so, and you were, I mean, my husband would say to me too, I would, you know, we would be going out to dinner or to a party and I'd walk out of our bedroom and he'd look at my shoes and say, oh, you're going to wear those shoes? Like, you're going to be a grouch all night. And you're going to truly, he'd say, have to be able to walk tomorrow, right? Yeah. Well, he'd say, you're going to want to leave early. You're going to want to sit down all night. And I thought to myself, that is not the life I want to live. The life I want to live, I want to be the last one on the dance floor. I want to be the last one at the party. I want to have a great time. I don't want to leave early because my feet hurt. Uh, I also had a, a foot injury when I went to a wedding um, about a year before I, not less than a year before um, I started podiatry school. I went to a wedding and I'd taken my shoes off because my feet were hurting and the send off you guys was sparklers and a sparkler filament had fallen on the ground, a hot sparkler filament. And I stepped oh. on it with my bare foot and I had this just crater in the bottom of my foot for weeks. And I thought if I hadn't worn those uncomfortable shoes, that never would have happened. I was limping, you know, like I said, for weeks until this thing on the bottom of my foot healed. So, so I had a lot of personal experience, obviously just as a woman, we've, we've all been there um, with an uncomfortable shoe and, you know, the, at the wrong place in the wrong time. And I thought, you know, it just, it doesn't have to be this way. I think about that all the time, you know, the years that I spent in Chicago and I used to call them my um, sit down shoes. And I remember, um, and they, you know, and they would be these amazingly beautiful shoes that people would always comment on, right? But I remember when walking out that night, one of the friends that was with me had to literally carry me to the cab because mm-hmm. I could not walk in them. And they were my, you know, you sit at the bar with your foot crossed so that everybody can see uh-huh. the shoe, but you Definitely may not Oprah, Oprah calls them the sit and dangle shoes. Yes. You can't, I couldn't move. I couldn't go to the bathroom because they were just 
uncomfortable. And for one of the reasons why I have such a, a love affair with shoes is because shoes always fit. When I go into the store and I buy a pair of pants or a top, if they're, if the pants are too small, like the size that I pick that doesn't fit my body, I'm depressed. I'm frustrated with myself. But whatever I do, I can march on over to the shoe department mm-hmm. and I am a size nine. Like when I had yeah. Caitlin, I was like, Lord, you can do whatever <laughs> you want to my butt, but please, please, please <laughs> don't let my foot grow because I have shoes I want to wear. And so oh, I think it oh, is yeah. very, it can be very personal for women. For me, it has been, it's, it's been the one place where I felt like I could participate in fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't always feel like I could participate in, in fashion um, because the sizes of the clothes, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you got to a certain point, I felt like all of a sudden everything got real frumpy and not pretty. So Marion, mm-hmm. I wonder, let's, let's just, let's jump to today because we, the three of us, for the, you, you all wouldn't know this, but the three of us determined We've got 10 kids between the three of us <laughs> and three of those little ones belong to you, my friend, Marion. So take me through a day in the life, managing well, business, kid, right. family. What does that look like for you? Well, you know, and obviously it's changed, um, you know, from six months ago when kids weren't in school, at least my oldest um, wasn't in school. My daughter, who is um, uh, daycare aged, um, shout out to the daycares out there and all the the men and women who work at daycares who's kept going because mm-hmm. if they closed, it would have taken so many healthcare professionals and um, you know first line responders out of the workforce. Um, our um, our, our um, Daycare didn't close for a single day through COVID. So that was amazing for my daughter, my, my middle child. Um, and uh, my son, um, you know, we did distance learning for a while and they, you know, eventually went back. But um, so today with everyone in, um, you know, the day um, really starts with um, getting kids ready for school. Um, and that, that's an early morning start, you know, like 630 and um, I do really enjoy taking my, my kids to school in the morning. I, I read about, um, I, I can't remember which parenting book I read, but um, there's such an, uh, a unique um, situation with your child sitting in the car with you and they don't have to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. So you can ask them a lot of questions and they don't feel like they're being, um, you know, like really... Um, uh, it's actually direct. Yeah. And they're not there. It's less intimidating for them. So they can, they don't have to make, they don't have to, um, they don't have to feel like they're like they're under a microscope, I guess, and uh, the conversation. So I love that time in the car with my kids in the morning, um, dropping them both off. Um, and then, um, I, you know, we're, we're right now splitting our time with our employees, um, trying to stagger who's in the office when, uh, but I'm usually in, in the office and, um, these days it's, it's all about zoom. So I'm typically on back to back zoom calls. Um, and whether it's with, um, our team internally or the team, uh, our production team in Italy, um, 
or we've, um, you know, we have a marketing team and I have a PR team and an accounting team. And so there's almost always somebody to talk to <laughs> every day. Um, and then I usually do a working lunch. I usually, you know, just keep a salad, um, right in front of me and then just work right through lunch. And, um, it, it, again, COVID times, my son would normally take the bus home, but that wasn't an option with COVID. So for a while I was having to pick up my son and sort of interrupt the day for like, you know, an hour and a half to go pick up my son and then, um, and then get back to work, uh, for a few hours before then breaking to make dinner, do bedtime, and then get back to emailing and catching up for what I missed in the afternoon. So sometimes I was, you know, emailing at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night um, after kids have gone to bed. Um, that has, that has improved a lot um, as we've, you know, gotten kids back to, to some quote unquote normalcy. But um, yeah, no, that was a hard, that was a hard few months there, um, you know, working really late at night, trying to catch up and, and, you know, be, be available and on. Um, I also feel a real responsibility um, as a, as a founder and with investors to always be available and always, um, you know, respond in a timely way to emails and, um, and just to always be on. And I know that's, um, that's something that's probably not attainable, but at least I feel like I'm doing that when, when I'm even, when I'm willing to respond to emails at 10 o'clock at night, hopefully that translates as, you know, I'm here, I'm committed, and, um, and this is what I'm passionate about. You know, I, I, love, I love that what, what you've done, um, and, and I'm sure that the transition from, from you know, going to, from being a doctor, surgeon, to, you know, your, your days now are, are very different. But what I love about what you've done and the path that you've chosen and the reinvention, it's so empowering to women really and it's very um it's so incredibly thoughtful because everything we were talking about just just you know the the shoes that we can't you know the the beautiful shoes that we have to you know shove our feet into and we can't walk it's like it's like it's kind of like taking back the power like no we we deserve to be comfortable and, and, yeah. and it can be pretty too. Um, but I, I was just thinking about how, how truly empowering the work that you are doing and, and how really life-changing it is, is for women who, um, like you said, I think there's a quote on your site that's like, you know, you can be beautiful and smart and comfortable, something like that. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, we can. And, 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 you know, historically that, that really wasn't the case. Like I was saying, you know, you had to choose, you had to be one or the yeah. other and, and yeah. in the aware world. And I thought, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and, and thank you. I really, I mean, empowering women is, is the essence of this company really. It's so that you don't have to be distracted by an uncomfortable shoe. You can be your full self, whether it's for an important meeting, important presentation your wedding day, um, your daughter's wedding day. These are important days that you don't, again, don't want to be leaving early. You don't want to be sitting down. You don't want to be barefoot either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, how often on the dance floor at the, you know, at midnight right. or 1130 at night when everyone's shoes are off because nobody can even feel their feet anymore. Right. Yeah. It's, just, you know, it's, it's really, it's, um, it's so confusing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's 
really, you know, that's the idea. I mean, focus on really the moment and you can, again, feel great about your shoes because they look beautiful. And, and we do, um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, we, we work with some of the best factories and tanneries in all of Italy and arguably the world that, you know, they produce for all the, you know, internationally, you know, recognized brands that you can think of. We source from the same tanneries, it's the same craftsmen who make my shoes, but we have a totally different approach to the construction, um, totally different molds and, and a different, you know, mindset when we look at, you know, where the strap hits the natural bony prominences around the toes and the ankle. And, you know, what does it mean, you know, when you're wearing a high heel versus a flat shoe? And, um, and so, you know, really, you know, taking both of those, you know, this, this very high level of quality and taste and design and marrying that with this, um, this knowledge of the anatomy and the biomechanics of the foot. So doing that in a really tasteful way. And I know that, you know, there've been plenty of brands who tried to bring, you know, fashion and comfort or fashion and wearability together. For me, I felt like they really fell short on the fashion side of things, the quality and the fashion side. So there were plenty of options at, you know, you know, certain quality levels and certain design aesthetics, but there really is nothing at this level of, of quality and, and taste, I think. Um, plus the true knowledge of what makes a shoe comfortable and it's not extra padding by the way. Um, <laughs> I can go on and on about extra padding. Um, cause I think, um, I've seen the, the, the footwear industry, you know, it, it's cause it sounds really nice, right? The idea of like, oh, if I just had more padding in under the ball of my foot, um, under my forefoot, that's actually not the case. Um, so um, there are certain um, foot types that, that like to have more padding. And then there are certain shoes for certain activities um, that require more padding. But um, a, for a dress shoe, you actually, what you need is more support. And so I can go on and on about padding, but if you think about you know, activities that you do that require more shock absorption and cushioning, let's say like jumping up and down, like in basketball, let's say, basketball shoes should have more padding. Um, skateboarding shoes, you know, kids are, I shouldn't say kids, adults skateboard too. Uh, but skateboarding, you're moving at high speeds, you're falling from heights. Those shoes need more shock absorption, more cushioning. In a dress shoe, what are you doing? You're walking, you're standing you actually need more support. You need greater surface area of contact between your foot and your shoe so you can redistribute your weight. Um, if you have more cushioning while you're standing or walking, what actually is gonna happen is slippage. And slippage is like one of the number one reasons for pain and discomfort in shoes. And um, it also leads to something called micro motion, which is exactly what it sounds like, these small movements within your foot, and that leads to soreness and fatigue. So. That's my soapbox, my dirty soapbox on um, what makes well, shoes. But I, you're just uh, more comfortable. This is this is our education. Right, we are learning about <laughs> and shoes. And I will say to our beloved listeners, okay, so so when you when you do go to marionpark.com, just you you know th these shoes, okay, they're gorgeous and they're obviously very good for our feet. They're an investment, okay, and okay. I, and we just have to, you know, we just have to point that out, right? Because you yes. know, 
it is what it is. And, and what, but what, in as I'm listening to you, Marianne, it's like, it really, I mean, maybe we're cutting by wearing your shoes. We're cutting down on the number of doctor visits, you know, foot doctor visits. <laughs> Or, you know, back problems, knee problems, shin problems, hip problems, right? So, so just, okay, well, just be aware that there's going to be like a, <laughs> oh, I'm my goodness gracious. Okay. Right. Um, so, and Julie, I'll speak to that too. Um, you know, I, I wish the shoes didn't have to be so expensive. <laughs> it, it, honestly, I, I really, I wish they didn't. Um, we're at a point where, you know, we're, we're an emerging business where, you know, we're, we're just getting started. So we're still scaling the business. And our, our goal is to get to that. Everybody understands like this, you know, that critical mass, you know, you're yeah. making yeah. a product, you can, you know, make more, you can, you know, reduce your costs. And um, so we're working on that. We're actively <laughs> working on that. Um, and what I, you know, I, I tell, I always have to correct myself, not patients, customers. I tell customers all the time. Um, that, um, you know, there's, there is a, a huge amount of value in the shoe and the price per wear, because these shoes are going to make you so darn happy. You're going to wear these so, so much, so much more than that uncomfortable shoe. That's beautiful. Um, you're going to get the, the price per wear down and, and there's still fashion shoes. I mean, you could still sprain your ankle and our high, our high heels, you know, obviously, um, but the, the hope is that you're going to love these so much and you're going to, you know, get so much more out of them. Um, and, and we're, we're sort of in a niche brand right now. So, you know, so I get us I would in say, on the early side. Yes. As a, as a, a Marion Park shoe owner, um, one of the things that I appreciate and, you know, I would say to all of our listeners, consider the source. Um, but one of the things that I appreciate is when the shoes arrive, they are packaged so wonderfully. And that may seem like not that big of a deal, but for me, whenever I am purchasing anything at a certain price point, I want to feel like it is a coming to me and somebody is taking that into consideration. So the, the shoes are wonderfully wrapped, right? It looks like they've just come off of the shoe line. There is a, you know, a note from Marion at the, you know, when you open the box, the box is really pretty. I keep my shoes in boxes to avoid my children from wearing them. (laughs) But, um, to me, that is important too. I want to feel like I'm getting this wonderful experience and that someone is saying, you know, I appreciate that you're spending your money to get these shoes. And so I'm going to take the time to not only give you an amazing shoe, but also not just throw it in a box, mm-hmm. wrap it in some paper. Like it just looks like there is care. So Miriam. I'm, so, I'm so happy to hear that, Stephanie, because we do put a lot of time and thought into the packaging and the customer experience because you know our our store uh, right now everyone is you know it's shopping online so what is your if you don't have the store and the you know one-on-one customer experience to hand you a glass of champagne while you're sitting in a beautiful chair um in a beautiful store you know how do we translate that lovely experience 
into your home, into a, a shipping carton effectively. Totally. Uh, so thank you for saying that. It's, it's, and, and we also worked really hard this past year in 2020 to um, eliminate single use plastics. So um, we're really, really proud of that. Um, the, you know, again, you know, the fashion industry is just a huge source of waste and uh, we want to do what we can, um, you know, bit by bit, obviously, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do our part. So, so yeah, that the entire um, box and package is recyclable and, um, you know, we're, we were really excited about that to get that across the finish line in 2020. That's awesome. <laughs> One of the things I wonder as we close, Marion, what advice would you have for women, for moms in particular, that have a dream, um, something that they're excited about, that they, that they want to do? Um, what advice would you have for them um, to inspire them, to motivate them? Um, what counsel would you give to these ladies who are looking to kind of get unstuck or reinvent? You know, I, I read somewhere once, and I, I wish I could recall where it is, that um, um, the majority of, um, of uh, achievement levels for children can be correlated to the mother's level of educational achievement. Not the father's, but actually the mother's. So that really drove me to think, okay, if I can be a really great role model for my kids, if I can, and I, I think about this even just as a leader in my business to lead by example, if I can lead by example and show my kids that you can um, you know, reach the educational level that you want, you can pursue the, the dream or the vision and the job that you want. I think that is, I think that there's, that's invaluable, right? For, for kids um, to see that. And um, you know, I, I also, you know, I, I, now as a mom myself, I see how hard being a mom is. It is hard work. Yes. And before, <laughs> before I had kids and, and people would say, I would hear people with kids say, my kids are like my greatest achievement. I would think, oh, that's so simple. <laughs> you know? um, that's easy. And, I went to medical school, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now I totally get it. I totally get it. Having kids is, it in itself is a huge accomplishment and huge responsibility. And I have single moms on the highest pedestal that I can possibly imagine. I, I don't know how single moms do it truly. Um, I have just such a huge amount of respect for them. So, um, so for anyone who is, you know, a mom and also trying to pursue their dream, I mean, gosh, it's about, and I hate hearing people say finding that balance, but trying to find that time where you, you know, feel like you can kind of squeeze it in. And, and I was doing that for a really long time. I feel like I'm still sort of squeeze, squeezing, you know, in every nook and cranny, every moment you can respond to an email, every, you know, learning moment that you have with your kids. Um, and everyone, I think everyone has a different bandwidth and you, you sort of learn your bandwidth as you go. And maybe it starts out slowly. And, and for me, you know, I, I think a lot of people think, oh, it was like this overnight success. Also, let's define success. Um, but you know, I had that idea 10 years, 10 years before, you know, we really are almost 10 years before we got it off the ground. So I, I think that, um, it's easy to lose sight of, um, how these things are really build on each other. And you, you can, you can do these sort of like incremental things when you have time as you can to build. And then you just, you hire a great team. You hire, you get great support 
and, um, and you give, you know, employees autonomy and independence. That was something really important to me in, in my work was to have autonomy. So, um, I, I think that's sort of, you know, where it takes you, you know, on this sort of gradual journey into, you know, growing it into something that's real. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Marian, thank you so much for not only inspiring us, um, but educating us um, and reminding us. Um, now I'm just reminded, gosh, we do do a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. We a lot. do have a lot going on. Um, <laughs> and so thank you for taking the time um, out of your busy schedule to spend with us, with Julie and I and our listeners. And thank you for creating something that certainly for me um, sparks a lot of joy um, and makes me feel confident in the days when maybe I feel a little bit less confident. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you, um, marionpark.com. Um, we'll have it in the show notes too. Um, you too can be dazzled. Um, <laughs> just like me, feel oh. free to send me a note if you want to see my shoes. Um, but, uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us, Jules. It's always a pleasure, um, to see you and we wish everyone a wonderful week. Thank you for having thank me. You again. Thank you. Thank you.